0: is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Mission, uh, and I have the, the privilege and the honor to, uh, to go through God's message this morning. And we're, we're going through our Advent series uh, in which we, we look forward to uh, celebrating the, the birth of Christ and, and uh, the Advent of, of Christ uh, coming on earth. Uh, and so we're, we're continuing that series, and we're going through the book of, of John, the introduction to the book of John, um, the way that that john the the apostle he he opens up his his gospel talking about about jesus talking about the preexistent existent um, second person of the trinity and so we're going to be continuing that series uh, and we're, we're going to be looking at verses six through eight of, of john chapter one now have you ever watched a movie been sitting through a movie and all of a sudden a scene comes on that just seems different than the rest of the movie it just kind of feels out of place, maybe the tone has changed, maybe one of the characters goes on a a tangent talking about something that's completely unrelated to the rest of the movie, it it just kind of feels off. Uh, Kind of some of the the examples that come to my mind are are Tobey Maguire's dance scene from Spider-Man 3, if you guys remember that one, that one was weird, Uh, or from Jurassic Park 3, the scene in which Dr. Alan Grant has this dream about a velociraptor in the plane talking to him. It just, you know, really doesn't really fit with the rest of the of the movie. And I don't know, maybe there's something about the third movie in a, in a series that brings this out in movies. But there are also instances in which you can have a scene as you go through, and it might seem odd, it might seem out of place at first, but as, as you go through, as you continue to watch the movie, maybe even later as, as you think about the movie later on. You, you see how that that scene, uh, instead of being out of place, instead of being um, a, a poor fit for the movie, it actually helps to uh, really bring out the, the message of the movie, and it, it really um, fleshes out the, the story that's being told. One, one example that comes to my mind is, going back to the Jurassic Park series, uh, in the first one, where Dr. Ian, Ian Malcolm, he he talks about chaos theory and he goes on this scientific rant and he he uses the the drop of water on the back of a hand to to show how uh, even very minor uh, inputs can bring about drastic changes in it uh, it, it kind of seems out of place you know what what does chaos theory what does all this math type of theory have to do with dinosaurs uh, but as the movie progresses you you see that this is really the main theme of the movie that uh, no matter how much we try to to understand about nature, no matter how much we try to control the environment, um, things are just out of, beyond our control, uh, and we, we can't predict everything that's going to happen. And so our, our passage this morning, why I'm bringing this up, our, our passage this morning, at least as I read it, it just seemed out of place when I, when I read through it. Um, and so I'm gonna, I'm going to do my best this morning to... To talk about our our passage and to explain why it it really fits in with John's introduction to his gospel, and it actually instead of taking away from from his message, it really reinforces what John is trying to what is he's trying to accomplish. But before we get into that, let's pray, and then we'll read our passage. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Uh, we just thank you for this opportunity to to come to your word, uh, to uh, just see what you have revealed about yourself, uh, what you have revealed about us, and what you've revealed about what you've called us to do. I just pray that you would uh, open up our eyes and our ears to, to hear your word, to understand it, and to put it into practice. And um, may we just um, just leave here uh, just more, more excited about who you are and um, just convicted about Um, about just living in in greater obedience to to what your word has. And so uh, I just pray that you would um, make my speech clear. Uh, May I be faithful to the text, and um, just may you be glorified this morning. pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so I said this is kind of out of context, so I think it's important for us to read the whole context. Uh, So I'm going to start with John 1, 1 and then go through, uh, to, through verse eight. So John one, he starts out, he says, "'In the beginning was the word, "'and the word was with God, and the word was God. "'He was with God in the beginning. "'All things were created through him, "'and apart from him, "'not one thing was created that has been created. "'In him was life, and that life was the light of men. "'That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And so I said verses 6 through 8 kind of seem out of context. And as we talked about last week, you know, we start, John opens up his gospel, and he talks about the preexistent second person of the Trinity, he talks about Jesus as existing before the creation of the world. He talks about Jesus as the creator of the world, as the one who, who brings all this into existence. And he uses kind of poetic language, uh, metaphoric languages, talking about light and life. Um, and it's kind of, kind of a little bit esoteric, kind of a little bit kind of um, intellectual, kind of more, more poetic language. And then we get to verse 6, and John kind of switches tones a little bit, and he says, you know, he talks about going from from Jesus, and then he stops, and I'm going to paraphrase here, and he says, so there was the light, and then he says, there was this other guy, his name was John, he's not the guy I was talking about, but he talked about the guy that I was talking about. And then in verse 9, John goes back and, and continues talking about Jesus, talking about him as the light and the revelation of of jesus so why does john even bother talking about why does john the apostle even bother talking about john the baptist why bother why not just keep talking about jesus as as the light and the life and i think the answer to that question we see in verse 7 where it says he john the baptist he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him and this theme of, of belief, this is a central theme in, in the Gospel of John. We see it all throughout John's Gospel, this, this idea of believing in Jesus. Most of us, we're, we're familiar with John 3, 16, which says, For God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And that sounds a lot like verse 7, right? Verse 7 says, So that all might believe through him. And if we look at the end of, of John, uh, in John 20, 31, towards the end of the book, John actually, he gives us the reason for why he wrote the book in the first place. In John 20, 31, he says, But these, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that sounds a lot like these other verses too, right, of, of believing so that we may have eternal life so John the Baptist ministry Jesus's ministry his life his death his resurrection the the whole reason John wrote the gospel to begin with they all have the same objective they all have the same objective of bringing salvation through belief and so instead of a a distraction from talking about Jesus John the Baptist, he's an integral part of this revelation of who Jesus is. John is a witness, our text says. And we see this term witness or, or testify. You know, we see this several times in our passage. And even, even the word testify, it's, it's really just the, the verb form of the word witness. And so it's that, that same word is used three times in as many, in as many verses. And so throughout the Bible, we we see that this is a major part of God's plan for revealing himself to the world. He uses people, he uses everyday people to be witnesses, to show uh, who he is and and what he came to do. So if you're you're taking notes, that's our, our first point for this morning, is that God uses people as witnesses. And we see this as a pattern throughout, throughout the Bible. We see this in the, the people of Israel. God set apart Abraham. He set apart his descendants to be a light, to be witnesses of, of who God is, to be an example of what it means to be in right relationship with God, how to live in uh, a right relationship as a people here on earth with, with a holy God. We see this in the prophets when God wanted to, to bring a message to, to his people or to, the, to na- the nations surrounding them, he used people, he used human individuals to go and to proclaim his message. We see this in our passage this morning of, of John the Baptist, who was sent to, to be a witness to, to the coming of the Messiah, of Jesus. We see this with the disciples you know, as you look at Jesus's ministry, most of Jesus's ministry is focused on training up the disciples. You know, he, he, taught, to, he taught to crowds, he performed miracles, but a lot of what he was doing was, was hidden from the crowds. A lot of the, the parables that he spoke were, were intended for the disciples' benefit rather than for, for the crowds. So this is a part of Jesus's ministry of, of revealing himself was to reveal it to the disciples' And then we see that as he, as he ascended, after he died, after he rose again, after he, as he was ascending, right before he left, he charged the disciples, and, and by the extension, the church, including us, with what we call the Great Commission. You see this in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to 20. It says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is, this is God's plan throughout all of history, including the, the time and place that we are now, um, of, of being the ones to, to proclaim his, his testimony to proclaim who God is and how he, he desires to be in relationship with us. I've been going through the book of, of Colossians, and, and I came across this, this interesting passage, uh, Colossians 1 It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. And this, this kind of struck me as I read it, because what does that mean, completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body? Does that does it mean there's something missing from what Christ did? Does that mean what he did wasn't sufficient at all? And as you, as you read the rest of the book of Colossians and the rest of the New Testament as a whole, you, you see that that can't be it, that, that Jesus's death, his resurrection it was it was sufficient it was enough to bring salvation um on on its own it doesn't require anything for us so what does what does paul mean here that he is completing what is lacking and what what he's referring to is that there's there's a need for us to know the gospel we need to hear what god has done we that revelation of of what god has done for us needs to be needs to be explained and told to, to everybody, to the world. So what Paul is doing, he's saying there's a need, there's a lack, and, and my suffering is, is accomplishing that, of, of proclaiming the, the gospel to the world. And we see this in, in Romans ten thirteen to 15. Uh, Paul saying, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him that they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And so this is, this is God's plan is to involve us. We are inserted into this chain of, of belief, of hearing, of preaching, of being sent. We are put into this process that God has put together of of proclaiming his gospel and to expounding on on who god is to the world uh, which i don't this, this completely blows my mind that that god puts us into his plan that he writes us into his his purpose and his plan for proclaiming you know who he is to the world so why is this why why does god use us i mean it, he doesn't need to use us right i mean it in some senses, it seems like it would be better if he just took care of it himself, right? Why send John the Baptist? You know, Jesus, God, is coming to earth. Why does he need a messenger? Why does he need a witness? You know, he's, he's able to do miracles. He's able to draw crowds. We, we see that in the gospels. So why does he send a messenger beforehand? And then why does he leave after he, he rose from the dead? He could have, continued his ministry after after he rose, but he instead he he entrusted that ministry of of sharing the gospel to his disciples and then and then he ascends. So so why is that? And I I, I can think of a couple reasons. Um, first of all, being God's witnesses, being a part of God's plan is for our benefit. It's it's not a task that that God needs somebody to do and so it's he just delegates it to us but it's it's for our benefit as we go out and we proclaim who God is as we talk about the gospel as we talk about what God has done in our lives it helps to reinforce our own faith right you know as we share our testimony we get excited about our testimony as we remember what God has done in our lives as we as we share it with others it helps to strengthen our own faith. So it's for our benefit that we are inserted into God's plan of revelation. But second, I, I think there's another reason. And, and I think that reason is that God's character is, is really best seen throughout multiple examples, throughout multiple scenarios that really illustrate and, and flesh out who God is and how he interacts with us you know as as we go through our passage and we, we look at this description of of the light and the life um, which is jesus it's in some sense yeah that that 's great and it's it 's powerful and it 's moving, but it it lacks a little bit of of uh, tangibleness is that a word tangibleness tangibility i don 't know but it it lacks a sense of um, understanding what does that mean practically what does that mean for me as i live my my life and then we get to to verse six and it says there was a man his name was john like that's very practical that's very down to earth it's it's entering into the reality that we that we live in Uh, we don't live in this metaphysical space we live in a in a physical space we are physical beings we interact with other physical beings and so we need this, this example of, of how God interacts uh, with, with us in a physical way. And God, God he's, he's so great. Uh, he's, he's beyond anything that, that we can understand just on our own. You know, we can, we can read about God being good. We can read about him, uh, you know, all the attributes of God. And that, that's one thing to read about, you know, it's one thing to say God is good. But we don't really understand what does it mean that God is is good unless we see God being good, unless we see examples of Him working in, in our own life. But you know, my life is, is limited. There's, there's only you know so many hours in, in my day, there's only so many people and, and things and things I can think about. That it's just limited uh, in the experiences that I have. But, but we all, we all have different physical. Experience. we all have different. Uh, life experiences. And so the richness of, of God, the richness of what it means to, for God to be good, uh, really, really plays out and is, is really fleshed out, and it's just, it's more colorful, it's more vivid as we see it in the context of, of different people's life stories. That's, that's why we come and meet here on Sunday mornings. That's, that's why we, we gather together as a, as a church community. You know, we, we could read God's Word on our own, but to, to see God's working in our lives, in, in other people's lives, to, to see how God is, is great, um, it just really it just really brings it home. And that, that's why we do small groups the way that, that we do them. There's, there's different ways you can do small groups, and there's, there's pros and cons of, of, of doing it one way or another. But here at, here at Mission, we, we do small groups not based on uh, affinities, not based on shared life experiences. It's, it's mostly geographical. Um, so, you, you know, we, we meet together uh, with people who, are, who just live near each other. It's, it's multi generational. And it's, we do this because we can, we can see how God is working in, in people who are in different life experiences than us, people who have different backgrounds. Uh, so you get a greater flavor of who God is and what he's like by seeing it play out in the lives of others, especially others who, who have different backgrounds than you. And, you know, my, some of my favorite small group sessions, uh, my favorite weeks are the weeks in which I'm actually the one that, who, who preached the message. And, you know, I, I spend the, the time, I, I get into the text, I, you know, I, I do my due diligence and then I still come to small group and I'm just blown away by, by the input and the, the, the insight that, that people have into how it practically applies to each individual person. It's, it's beyond anything that I could come up with on my own of seeing how God's word is, uh, is richly played out in the, in the lives of others. Okay, so, so God uses us as witnesses, but... I think that we need to ask the question, what makes a good witness? How do we, how do we be a good witness? I've got a, I've got a couple points. The first one is that a good witness needs to understand what they've witnessed, right? You need to, you need to be clear on your message. You need to be clear on your testimony. If, you, you know, if you're in a courtroom situation and you, you have multiple um, witnesses come up and, and give their testimony... There needs to be kind of a, a clarity, there needs to be a, a unifying message of, of the testimonies that, that are brought together. So we need to be clear on our message. You know, we, ha- we have, you know, we all each have our own testimony, but they all point to the same God. They all point to the same gospel message, right? God, God's character, how he brings salvation, it, it doesn't change from person to person. And so as we, as we are witnesses to the world, that central message about who God is shouldn't change from testimony to testimony. That, that essential message of, of who God is is the same because he's the same God. And really, the gospel message, it's, it's really pretty simple. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy to, to understand. Uh, the applications are broad, but the gospel message is really very simple. And the, the gospel message is, is simply that that Jesus came that we are all sinners we all deserve death Jesus came he lived the life that we were supposed to live he died the death on our behalf paid the penalty for our sin and that through believing in him through uh, repentance through submitting our lives to Jesus we obtain salvation uh, through him and that that's really it That's that's the essential of the gospel message and so that's that's all you need to know in order to be a Christian. And that's all you need to know to be a good witness. You know, you don't need a seminary degree. You don't need years of, of experience being a Christian. As long as you know the gospel, as long as you are a Christian yourself, you have enough to be a good witness. Okay. Uh, and that, that sometimes takes... Uh, continually reminding ourselves right of that of that message, because a lot of times we we get caught up in in some of the secondary issues uh, a lot of times we get we get caught up in um, other things that that come up we get we get distracted from the essential gospel message and so it helps for us to continually remind ourselves of of the gospel and of God and, and who he is you know one of the one of the problems with eyewitness testimony in, in a, in a courtroom setting, is that a lot of times it's unreliable, right? If, if you've seen any of these studies, it's eyewitness testimony can be, can be fallible because we, we often forget and we're easily persuaded. We can have false memories implanted or kind of suggestions of, of how things happen and like, oh yeah, I think that is what I saw. And, and it's, it gets skewed and, and what we remember uh, can can get off track over time. But what we, we have uh, a standard, we have an anchor for, for our memory of, of knowing who God is. And we have that, that standard, and that anchor in the Word of God. God's, God's Word is, is, is true. It's unchanging. It's, it's always there for us to, to come back to. And so as we, as we remind ourselves, we have this, this anchor for, for our faith of, of continually being able to come come back to God's word and getting back to to the essentials of of the gospel and who God is. And as as we remind ourselves it's it's important for us to remember who God is, what the gospel is, but it's also important for us to to remind ourselves of, of the ways in which God has has specifically worked in our lives, to to remind ourselves of our of our testimony. And this is this is done through as we share our testimony, as we talk about what God has done in our lives, it, it refreshes our own understanding and our own um, memory of, of what God has done in our lives. All right, so a good witness understands what they've witnessed, uh, and a good witness must go on the witness stand, right? That, that kind of goes with, without saying, but in order, to be, in order to be a good witness, we need to be on the witness stand. We need to go out into the world. We need to speak up, you know. We, we need to be in a place in which we are out there. We are able to, to bring the message of the gospel to the world. Several weeks ago, we, as we were going through, through Matthew 5, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in, in verses 14 to 15, he says, "'You are the light of the world. "'A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so this this idea of us being the light, of of reflecting God's light in us, it does us no good, it does the world no good if we don't shine that light out into the world, if it's hidden in in our Christian community, if it's hidden in our own private lives, if we segment out our, our Christianity with our, our work or our school, if we keep God in, in just a, a segmented section of our lives, then that, that witness you know, becomes worthless. It, it's not able to be shared with the world. All right, so we are... Uh, sorry. Good witness understands what they've witnessed, goes on the witness stand, and third, a good witness places the focus on Christ. Good witness for Christ places the focus on Christ, not on themselves. We see this in John one eight. Uh, it says, "He was not the light, John the Baptist. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light." And this is this was John the Baptist's attitude. This is he understood. What he was called to do, he understood that he was not the light, but that he was he was there to uh, to be a witness to the light. We see this as as Jesus's ministry takes off, and more and more crowds start to leave John the Baptist and go and, and follow Jesus. John's disciples they get a little bit concerned, and they they come to John and they say, you know, what should we do? Like all of our disciples, all of our followers are, are now going to to follow Jesus like what what should we do now and John's response in in chapter 3 verses 30 to 31 it says he must increase but i must decrease the one who comes from above is above all the one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms the one who comes from heaven is above all and so John the Baptist understood that that his ministry was not about him it was not about the amount of followers he had it wasn't about the, his own reputation. And so there was, there was a period in which it was, it was important for, for his ministry, for there to be a lot of crowds, for his message to be proclaimed to, to a lot of people. But there also came a time in which it was, it was necessary for him to decrease, for his ministry to take a back seat to the ministry of Christ. And so as we, as we go out and as we are witnesses for Christ as we think about our ministries, whether it's, whether it's full-time ministry, whether it's our ministry at work, at school, wherever it is, we need to remember that, that our ministry is not for us. It's not for making ourselves look great. It's for God. And so whatever, whatever situations come up, uh, we need to keep that in mind of remembering that, that this ministry is, is for God and not for for the building up of ourselves and this can be hard right I mean I'm sure I'm sure it was difficult for for John the Baptist to to see the crowds diminish uh, to see his his influence wane uh, but he understood that that the, his true calling his true purpose of of Christ being glorified was being accomplished uh, through the the decrease of his ministry and so that, that's really all that's required of being a good witness. We're called to understand what we've witnessed. We're called to go on the witness stand. And we're called to place the focus on Christ. Now this is our, our second week in our Advent series leading up to Christmas. And, and during Christmas and the Advent season, we look back to, to the first Advent of, of Christ. Advent means coming or, or arrival. We look back to the first time Jesus came. We, we think back to that time, but we also think and we look forward to, to the second coming, the second advent of Christ. We look forward to when Jesus is going to come back and set everything right uh, and, and come come back. But here and now, as we sit in between those two advents, we, we sit here December 10th, 2023, you know, we, we sit here and we, we need to remember that that God is not, he's not done revealing himself. He's not taking a break from revealing who he is. He's called us to reveal himself to the world. We are his body. We are his witnesses. We are the current advent of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your revelation. Uh, We thank you for all the ways in which you have have revealed yourself to us, you revealed our, yourself through your Word, you revealed yourself through uh, Jesus coming to to Earth, you revealed yourself through through people who have you have called to to share your gospel, to bring your Word uh, to to the world, and um, we just we just marvel and we thank you that you have included us in that. In that plan that that pattern of of revealing yourself to the world and i just pray that we would just be faithful witnesses that we would remember what our our testimony is that we would remember what the gospel message is that we would go on the witness stand that we would be faithful to to proclaim your word to the nations and that we would be uh, continually reminded that that it is you uh, that our focus should be on that that your revelation of revealing you to the world rather than than revealing ourselves to the world is what really matters and so i just pray that you would you would continually remind us of these things and uh, may you just empower and strengthen us as we go out and, and are your witnesses to the world so we pray this in your son's name amen